They said that their company already announced, hey, we expect a recession to come and our biggest priority is our people. The subtext there is we don't want to have to do layoffs through this. That's our number one priority is to avoid layoffs. So it's that same idea of retention. Some companies are looking for other avenues of cost cutting. Welcome to the Resilient Faith at Work podcast, where you will find and apply God's wisdom to your work. I'm Dr. Chip Roper, and I'm joined by Ken Kennard and Sarah Evers. We aim to inspire, challenge, and equip you to follow Jesus in the vocational dimension of your life. As we begin this episode, I want to thank our generous donors who make this podcast possible. We are grateful for your support. VOCA funders sign up to change lives by changing work. And if you like this content and want to partner with us to reach more workers, invest in VOCA. Just go to vocacenter.org give and join us today. All right, so I have two. Actually, that would be like, well, I could go two. That's right. Two. I have two potential warm-up conversation topics. So the first one is, what are you going to do with the last nice day of fall? Oh. Like, it's been, like, gorgeous here in New York City, 60 degrees, sunny. We had dinner out in the roof deck last. Like, it's just, but it's not going to last. You know that. So what are you going to do with the last day of fall? So that's question number one. Or we could talk about how do you handle it when all of your technology rebels against you? <laughs> because I've been on this string of, like, almost every week I've just hit, like, speed bump after speed bump, and I'm having to spend hours mm. getting everything back to functionality. So very different topics, but I first we have to vote, I guess, and then we're going to jump into one of them. I have thoughts on both of those, so I'm, I'm ready to go, locked and loaded. I'm sure both of you have <laughs> thoughts on both of those. There's I'm a lot ready. of both going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could, I, could, I could go I could go with either way. The fall topic, I will say, is seasonally attractive. <laughs> but you but might that have, doesn't make this podcast. That no. makes this podcast a little seasonally bound. That's know, right. Which and I guess we're talking about recession, so it kind of is anyway. But yeah. yeah. And the technology uh, is, is evergreen, and it looked like you had a lot of things to say about that, Chip. So I, this is what I think we should do. We should start with technology because it's kind of fundamentally a negative conversation based on my recent experiences. And then we should end with the fall, a headline oh. on the fall, because that's going to okay. be happy. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay. Very good. I can go on that emotional right. journey. So let me just, uh, here's my litany of woes. I won't spend too much time on it. But I get into the, my city office. Uh, I think it was like two weeks ago, probably, wasn't it? I think it was Sarah. And because we were trying to have a Zoom call at this time. And I sign into my Mac and it won't access my keychain. And my keychain is where all my passwords are. Oh, and so yeah. it says, and I knew, like, sometimes I type too fast. And that doesn't surprise you guys because I'm often highly caffeinated. And, um, but I just, you know, uh-huh. I tried it like five times. I knew it was right. And it just kept saying, wrong password, wrong password. This is just to get into the computer. So then it tells you you can, like, get it. You can get back in if you use your Apple ID, which is nice. It's a nice little feature. Like you're not, you're not stuck. You don't have to call anybody. Um, so I do that. But then it's it's forgotten all of my passwords. Oh. Like for everything, for oh. every email account, um, oh. all like all the all the web, you know, all the website caches, like whatever it is, it's all gone. 
Yeah. So that was a couple weeks ago, Oof. and it's like I finally got it sorted back to functioning, and had to redo a bunch of stuff. And I, you know, I actually I have to keep records of my passwords because I don't remember stuff, you know. So I figured that out. So, but it was just a pain. And then, and then um, I upgraded my iPhone, and everybody should know that I'm, I'm like a major Apple fan, by the way, and not and not converting to the dark side uh, <laughs> ever. Or at least that's what I, I think. But anyway. I, I upgraded my iPhone to 16, to iOS 16 or whatever it is, because you can. And um, there's some really cool features in that. Um, and then somewhere in the process, my voice recognition stopped. Oh. And I first noticed it because I'm a, at home, I'm a geek, and I have lights that I can tell to go on or off from my phone. And I just tell Siri to turn on the living room lights, and she does. And um, it wasn't working anymore. Oh. And that, so I just thought, well, it was just the app for the lights. And then I was in the car and I couldn't respond to texts. Oh. And, and then, um, then Sarah, you noticed that text from my computer. Well, though, uh, this is what happened. So Sarah always bails me out of my tech. <laughs> no, I, my I, tech, I, my tech <laughs> hell. It's tech hell. And I'm always there when I call Sarah and she always is very, very kind. Anyway, um, so what happened was the only, I, you know, start to go online. How do you get the, how do you get this back? How do you get the phone to do voice recognition? I had to reset my phone and then that erased everything. Ugh. And then, and then I couldn't text from my computer, uh, at the same, no, I, anyway, so then I, you know, I spent all day yesterday doing it. So anyway, this is what happens to me. And it happens not all the time, but it happens yeah, probably once a quarter. It just feels like my technology is out to get me. It sounds seasonal, like seasonal allergies. Seasonal effectiveness disorder, <laughs> sad. Seasonal tech um, effectiveness disorder, stad. Stad, which sounds like a disease yes, that you don't want to talk about in public. <laughs> that stad is flaring up again, isn't it? Yeah, well, you can get a you got to increase your antibiotics and you'll be fine. Yeah. I, it oh. sounds like you need your own um, hotline, your own Apple um, uh, guru genius, Apple genius assigned to you, or at least for seasonally. My stad Apple genius. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so you're not going nice. to commiserate. You're just going to try and fix me. Is that is that what is that what <laughs> professional coaches do? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you you're in trouble. You need some help. <laughs> okay, go get help. That stinks for you. Expert. So sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing fine, but yeah, wow, yeah. that's too bad for you. Sorry, 16 was such a bad upgrade for you. <laughs> Sucks for you. I think yeah. that's really yeah. Yeah, I understand. No, that's really hard. I I feel the love. It's it's hard because you build a a trust relationship with your technology, right? Mm. Now that it's worked 100 times, you expect that 101st time to be there. And then all of a sudden, what you realize is that you've been betrayed (gasps) because it's not as reliable as you expected and you you came to expect. And even worse than that is that what you liked about it was how efficient you could be and how productive you can be and now it feels like you're going backwards and having to fix the technology that's supposed to take uh efficiency up a notch Mm. and it's going backwards Mm. and that just makes oh i just feel like i i I get anxious and then i'm angry and then pretty soon i just want to throw the thing across the room when that happens yeah i feel like you're an expert in this ken oh yeah I have all yeah, kinds. I mean, I mean, how many times does Google Drive let you down? <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I, 
I have had a very hate-hate relationship. Sarah, Sarah wants you to divorce Google Drive, by the way. <laughs> yes. That's what happens when we have our offline conversations. He's like, he needs to leave her. I like, love the Google Drive. <laughs> I love the Google Drive. No, and you I, don't. I do. Not, not the app. I don't access it through Finder on my Mac. I access it through Chrome, and it's sleek and makes me happy. Yeah, I've tried that. <laughs> does not make me happy. Well. I, yeah. I do commiserate because tech issues are the worst. And now I get to be the tech department in our family, and that's not saying a lot. <laughs> so um, I am often researching workarounds for whatever snags we're hitting to try to figure out how to reset and refocus and, and get moving. But I mean, Ken, I loved your words. Um, I mean, I hated them, but I loved them. But it is, it's a betrayal. It's a very- um, <laughs> It's a betrayal. Right? It's a reliant relationship. Um, it's a very intimate relationship because, and, and it's vital to my life. And so, when my technology fails me or doesn't work me, it does feel there's a there's a betrayal, there's a loss, there's a grief, there's a, a denial. Um, so, you know, I could put the passcode in one more time and get locked out. I'm sure it'll work this time. So, uh, you know, I, I hate that that's do, true. Do you guys listen to what we're saying? <laughs> this is scary. Like. This this is really scary. This is like our tech as a person. Like we're all set up to fall in love with robots. Like it's like we're just going that direction really quickly. Yeah, or maybe we already have and we just don't admit it. I mean, if if, if what would happen if 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 you lost your phone and your computer oh. on the same day? Oh. You know what? what I'd what, use my iPad. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but, right. But how how productive would that be? You Not know? as productive. Yeah. So is the is it we're addicted to productivity, and then whenever we get a wrench thrown in it, like it's well, just, or I, we're I just on the edge of so I, much complexity actually that we don't realize that it just takes one thing not to work that the wheels come off. I mean, what it, you know, it's just an interesting topic. Yeah, I, I don't think we're necessarily addicted to tech, to productivity. We may be. But we, what we are is dependent on tech tools to be productive, for sure. It is a transformation um, of our economic engine, yes. to be honest. Right. And every tech, every tool has actually always been that way. You know, yeah. when they invented the wheel, like you could do more than you could without it, right? So it's just like, a, or a hammer or whatever. So it's always that way. It's just an interesting, the way we were talking about it, it's just like, we love our tech. <laughs> We love it when it works, and we come yeah, on that's for when sure. it doesn't. Tears. Yeah, it's terrible. And I, as we were talking, I, I started with you, Ken, but I also remember Sarah's tech woes too. So we've all been through it. Oh yeah, I had it, yes, we have had many. I have had many a tech. All right, woe. so the the little modicum Hopefully. of empathy that I received from this was semi helpful to me. Let's let's flip over, to, to, uh, to, your last nice day of fall. What are you gonna do? How are you not gonna well, miss now it? Now that you phrase it that way. I know, now that you've just phrased it, I've got FOMO. I don't want to miss out on the last great day of fall. I mean, I did look at the weather. I know we've got rain coming tonight and tomorrow. So um, I, I think it's going to be dinner on the deck. Dinner on the deck. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to it's it's be, be outside. outside. And the, the nice, yeah, that's a given. I <clears throat> What my mind goes to is two things. One is how can I get the family into a place where we can enjoy the beauty outside together for an extended period of time that holds everyone's attention, which is not always easy uh -uh. with, you know, four kids. 
Um, and the other thing that I go to is um, I really like flying my drone on, on the great fall day because the pictures and the video that you can get from, you know, like sweeping over the trees, I, I just find that to be really, really fun. So it's a seasonal joy for me to be flying my drone at, at, at the peak of fall before all the leaves have left the building. So now we're back to tech. <laughs> seasonal tech affective um, disorder. Yeah, I definitely would say outside. And I'm afraid I'm going to miss it because I'm afraid that because what's going to happen is it's going to get cold and rainy at some point. It's usually middle of November, but it's going to get cold and rainy. But it's just like when I think about my schedule and you know commitments that I have, it's kind of like, what's the likelihood that I will actually be free and able to go? Like we have a roof deck in our apartment building, which we really love. It looks over the city and it's awesome. And or go back to you know, go to Central Park when the leaves are turning. It's it's, it's stellar. Um, so those would be two at the top of the list, but. There has to be this alignment of the schedule stars because that last nice warm sunny day may not I may not be free that day. So anyway, so didn't I? I know it's kind of threw a wet blanket on this conversation, but I thought this was supposed to end on joy. Hey, you know what? I'm going to ride the ferry. I'm going to ride. I'll just keep riding the ferry, and my chances of being able to be outside on a great day, you know, go way up if I ride the ferry every day. Yeah, and if you play your cards right and you're you're having a good relationship with Siri, you might be able to take that Zoom call from yes, the park, that's right. Chip. That's right. That day. Yeah, just like I did during the fire drill the other day. So that's yeah. right. That's and sometimes right. technology is amazing. So I rode. I just kept stayed on the call with you guys right down the elevator, right outside during the fire drill, and tried to mute it when the fire engines came. We got came. to see the yeah, fire so trucks. Like, we got to see the fire trucks come through on our on the Zoom. So that was very exciting. We're glad that you were safe and the building didn't yeah, burn it's down. All good. So this is the longest introduction we've ever done. And uh, Ken, you'll have a lot of fun editing this. Um, <laughs> let's shift gears. And uh, we want to talk today about you know, how to, how to recession-proof your job. You know, how, do you, how do you think ahead wisely um, without becoming unduly anxious? You know, how do you think ahead wisely and prepare for what might be coming? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And um, on this episode of the Resilient Faith at Work podcast, and for a long time now, I mean, well, it's not a long, long time, but for at least the last six months, um, we've been reading about recession in, in, the business, in the business press. And I don't know, I want to do some homework on this at some point, but it feels like this is the most predicted recession ever that hasn't yet arrived. Um, it just seems like everybody's obsessed with it. And I haven't been through, I mean, there was recessions when I was a kid, but I just don't, I just remember my dad saying there's a recession and it was bad. You know, like, I just don't, I don't remember. And then COVID just, you know, it was boom, it just happened. The 08 recession, same thing, it was very, very fast. And we all knew we were in a recession pretty quickly because it was like a, it was like a crisis arrival. But this one, everybody's saying it's going to get bad, it's going to get bad, it's going to get bad. And um, there's some cracks, you know, there's some signs that there's some, you know, Ken, we were talking in the pre-call, like, there's some companies laying off, especially tech companies. There's not as much uh, just sort of unrestrained capital for crazy tech ideas or even good ones uh, as there used to be. So that's people are being a bit more cautious about what they invest in. Um, so there's been some layoffs and some contractions there. We're hearing about hiring freezes at major companies, places like Facebook and Amazon and Google, places like that, or they're at least slowing down um, in their aggressive quest for employees. 
So there's there's some rumblings, uh, and obviously, you know, everything costs more. That's re that's the inflation piece that we're all dealing with, and the stock market's terrible. So that's you know, it's up and down, but generally trending down, uh, becoming terrible. So, so you know, we've got a lot of things going on, but it's kind of hard to tell what if what if anything is going to happen. Um, and so I think, what do, how do we summarize that where we are, like the year here? Well, one is it's just there's a lot of economic uncertainty. Um, whereas, you know, once we got to the summer of 2020, it was like somebody flipped the switch on. And yeah. the stock market's always ahead of reality, by the way. The stock market's always, I forget, what, six to six to 12 months ahead of where what's happening on the ground now. Usually it's always looking forward. But you know the stock market was going back up, and hiring was picking back up in that summer of 2020, and it slowly kept coming back, coming back, coming back. And now we're at the same number that we were before the 2020 dip of 3.5 percent unemployment, which is miraculously low. So, so there's a lot, but there's a lot of uncertainty right now because prices keep going up, the Fed keeps raising interest rates, which will eventually slow the economy down. It might slow it down, really, really dramatically and in like a crash or it might just slow it down with they what they call a fast landing so that's that's one piece of data the other the second piece of data is that um, we're all working differently and so we're kind of maybe a little bit more disoriented and insecure um, you know we're working from home we're doing more gig work some of us have started our own ventures like I see a lot of those trends and people we talk to and we just don't get the same Feed, like we just don't get the same data. Can you use a word for this? Like something that's, we, we don't get the same kind of data because we're not in person as much. What did you say earlier about that? Use the term for that. Oh, I was thinking of um, remote work as kind of being a low bandwidth connection to among people because when we're together, we just get such a rich data set of like people's emotions, body language, all these kinds of ways to interact with them in between meetings and as they're arriving and all that stuff that goes within person. And what I think about a recession, which in a business is an emergency often, what do you do in an emergency? Well, leaders, good leaders, will often bring people together in an emergency as a way of increasing the communication and the connection and the quality of their interaction. If you're in a remote situation, one of your tools has been taken out of your toolbox, mm -hmm. which is that high bandwidth communication that comes in person. That's, you know, I know companies that used to be all in person and now they're almost all remote or many dispersed into different time zones and so on. And just, um, so I, I feel for the leader who's trying to adapt to the new environment and then has an emergency on top of it that now they wish they had that tool and they don't because the bandwidth of their connection with each other is limited. Interesting. So that I, I think that could am potentially amplify the negative. Yes. You know, like we just don't have, we don't have the props to, and we're just left with negative headlines. Um, so that's interesting. And some of us have changed jobs and some of us are still trying to find our feet. And then to, to hear all this news about economy changing or falling off a cliff, is scary and destabilizing. The third thing I just want to say about our context, like where we are right now, and this we're recording this in the fall of, of 2023 or 2022. Uh, <laughs> we're recording this in the fall of 2022. That there's still a lot of really strong fundamentals in the economy. And the two primary ones are consumer spending, which hasn't changed that much, and um, employment, which is still at all-time record highs. And usually, 
you would expect to see employment dropping already, and it just really hasn't. And that doesn't mean if you got laid off, it's it's there's something wrong with you. There still are spotty layoffs and spotty cutbacks, but it's very very spotty, very company organization specific, not uh, kind of broad. And so we're just kind of in this weird holding pattern. So in this episode, we want to suggest there's really two two things to do right now and in a situation like this. The first is to prepare and the second is to recalibrate. There's two ideas and um, we're going to talk about each one. So the prepare one, uh, there's a proverb I really like. Um, it's called, it, it's not called, it's Proverbs 22.3. It says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions but the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So it, it would seem that to be prudent, to be wise, same kind of idea, that, the, that this is probably a good time to take some precautions. So we, we have some ideas about this and we're just gonna kind of go through them. We've got something about some things we wanna say about your personal finances, about your resume, about your network, about your boss, and about your plan B. So where do you guys wanna start? You wanna talk about your the boss? boss? Yeah, let's start with your boss. Let's yeah, let's start with your boss. Yeah, because your boss is your first line of of information to what's going on with the company, and sometimes your first line of information about what's really going on in the industry and the world beyond you. So yeah, yeah, and when it comes to job security, your boss is your lifeline. So yes, let's talk about your boss. So here's that's okay. We'll talk about bosses. Um, so the big idea is that you should be having a conversation with your boss about what she or he sees coming and instead of avoiding it and and or uh, downplaying it this is a kind of topic that you really should dig into in detail so we have five questions that we would suggest that you talk to your boss about probably not at the same time right you know like you know, <laughs> no, but these are the kind of questions you want to you want to have time to speak with them about at some point in the next in the next, you know, next month or so, um, before the end of this year, 2022. So first, first question is, what did you learn in the 0809 recession? And I, mm. I think 0809 is a more, it was just a little bit more of a textbook recession than what we experienced yeah. with the coronavirus. But what do you guys think of that question? Well, I think that's a great question. I mean, I, th I think when you talk to your boss, if your boss has had, um, a lot of years behind them. They might have some um, experience and perspective to share. They might be able to give you insight into, especially if they've, if they've been with that organization before or in that industry, they can give you some insights on how the industry bounced back or the organization, and even some tips on, on uh, what they learned coming out of it, you know, some best practices. So I do like the idea of, of connecting with your boss and asking what they learned in the last recession. That's good. The second question is, how is our company poised for what lies ahead? Ken, what do you think of that one? Well, this is where the rubber meets the road because it doesn't really matter if they know a lot, if a lot of things outside their control are gonna kill the company anyway. So the real question is, how prepared are they mentally and fiscally and you know, man from a management perspective? And this is a chance to find out how nervous they are, I think, about it. Mm. You know, is it really a lot of uh, anxiety around that for them? Or do they feel like, hey, you know what? These things happen. They bounce right back. We're in good shape. Um, you can kind of get a gut check with that question. Even it's almost like the question is there for the answer, but it's also there for how they answer. 
<laughs> well, it, that's so important though, because you're really kind of trying to figure out what kind of woman or man is this, you know, and how do they view adversity? Because and and some of that may be, it may actually not affect you at all. It may just be, in other words, it may have no bearing on your job security, even if they're falling apart emotionally. It may not. It just may not. But um, it's just a sense of who are they, and we do talk about leading up. It's one of the things that we train. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, if you've got a boss that's falling apart, you may, need to, you may need to prop them up a little bit so that you can get through this season, that kind of thing. Um, third question is, it's kind of a, how's your company poised is very gen generic. It could be strengths, it could be weaknesses, it could be, it's broad. The next question gets very specific. What, 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 are, what are our biggest recession-related challenge is going to be? That's, so the third question is, what are... What do you think our biggest recession-related challenges will be? And um, it's interesting, like, it's not always what you think. Um, I was working with a client, and one of their, as they look ahead, they're already talking about this, and they want to, they have some, they want to retain their biggest income-generating team members. Like, that's, it's retention, which is not what you think, like, you automatically yeah. go to cost-cutting, right? Like, you just think it's going to be cutting costs. And that's not what they're thinking about at all. And so it's an interesting, it's worth having this conversation. We don't necessarily know what the answer is, do we? Yeah, I was just talking with somebody about this um, yesterday, and they said that their company already announced, hey, we expect a recession to come, and our biggest priority is our people. The subtext there is we don't want to have to do layoffs through this. That's our number one priority is to avoid layoffs. So it's that same idea of retention. Some companies are looking for other avenues of cost cutting in an effort to survive a recession and letting go of people is not the top priority. Well, and I wonder if that's because maybe we've learned something over the last 12 years, which is how expensive it is <laughs> to cost cut by losing people, right? Because yeah. you cost cut immediately and then you've basically just put a down payment debt in your books for what it costs to bring a new person on board, train them, bring them up to speed. And hopefully there's not uh, another one of these uh, situations where everyone's uh, leaving the company right after mm -hmm. they got there, right? Which you see a lot of in the last few years. So it's expensive to even try to replace them. Yeah. Um, even more expensive to successfully replace them. And what we know about recessions is they don't last forever. So when they come back, how poised are you to take advantage of the upside? Yeah, I mean, if you look back, I was just say, you look back, I think there've been like 11 major recessions uh, since 1950. And those have uh, lasted between two and 18 months, the average being 10 months of a recession. So yeah, it's if we go into one and if it's more than mild, uh, there is hope that we are coming. We are going to come out of it, and most likely it'll last less than a year. That's really Please good. Please, Lord. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it's, but you have to ask the question in your context, and you have to figure out what the challenges are going to be. They could be costs. Yeah. They could be that you know you're relying on a market that is just going to mm -hmm. grind to a halt. Um, you know, your the overall business. So, there's it's a it's an important question. The number four is a personal question. So. You're asking your boss, what best practices have you employed or seen others employ to carry them through down economic times? And, you know, that's just, it's a way to ask for personal advice from your boss. Mm -hmm. 
which yeah, you may not want to ask for personal advice from your boss for a whole host of reasons, but it still can be a, it still can be um, it still is a worthwhile pursuit because everybody loves to give advice, and again, like we were saying earlier, it just gives you a sense of how they think and their values and what kind of people they really are, and and frankly, at the end of the day, you know how much can you really trust them? And how much do you have to manage them and manage around them? Hmm. Right? All right, let's go to the last one. Uh, this, is a, that, this is the killer one. This is the value add question. You ask your boss, how can I be a resource to you in the days ahead? Mm. Yeah. What boss doesn't want to hear that? I mean, that's, that's exactly what a boss wants is someone who is willing to be a resource. And, and sort of implied in that question is that I want to help and I want to be a resource and I want to be a part of your solution uh, going forward. So, um, you know, these are very two opposite questions. Number four seemed <clears throat> like if you said it wrong or at the wrong time can sound like a trick question or you're putting your boss on the spot. You know, so what do you know about these kinds of things? I, I can imagine somebody with some emotional insecurity feeling defensive about that. But this question is so warm that it's hard to imagine any boss uh, um, having a negative reaction to someone who wants to be a resource. Ken, I just want to say that I was not thinking of asking it in such a snarky way, question four. I just want to put yes. that on the record, okay? <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's your, that was your contribution to this conversation, so well done. I'll bring the snark. <laughs> You're welcome. Bring, bring the snark. Any other thoughts on those questions, Sarah? We'll move on. I like those questions. I think let's move on. Yeah, so connect with your boss is one of the ways we prepare. But there's a whole bunch of other connecting to do too, or reconnecting. Um, one is to reconnect with your network. And one of the things that we see over and over and over again in our work with people who are either in, I'm out of a job and need a job quickly, or I'm in a job that's not, not really working for me and I need to find something new. The, the, the folks that have a network of people they can talk to about themselves and about opportunities, and they actually tee up those conversations, they do well, and the people who do not struggle. So, um, guys, tips or thoughts on the network piece? Well, absolutely. I think those uh, coffees right now are pretty important, whether they're virtual or in-person, and, um, and building relational capital with people. It never, it never hurts, even if you don't need to use it. Um, and then I think the aside there is shore up your network and revisit your resume um, because you want to get that ready before you need it. Uh, if you think there might be a layoff in your future, if you're in an industry that is very elastic and you think there might be um, some concerns for you ahead, dust off your resume and update it while you're reconnecting with people. I mean, don't give it to people, right? You don't need to do that yet, but you know, I was thinking maybe you could give it to people and get some feedback on it, like safe people. Because safe then people, you've got. Yeah. How would we define safe people? What do you guys think? Well, for one thing, a safe person is is has your best interest in mind. They're really mm -hmm. here for you, and they can put aside their own agenda. They also are not going to blab to other people about what you're thinking before you want that to get out. So those yeah. are two two ingredients that come to mind. You know. Uh, I, I go back and forth on this. Yes, I do think float your resume to one or two people to get some good in, input. But if you ask people to meet with you to review your resume, I don't know if that's an easy yes. 
Like if you're going to rebuild your network and you're reconnecting with people and you're trying to strengthen relationships, um, I, 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 it's easier to, to ask them a question about themselves. Hey, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, maybe how are you going to prepare or recession proof your job? It's, that's an easier yes than saying, hey, can I meet with you so you can tell me what you think I should do? So I agree. Know. I think that's a great point, Sarah. Maybe it's more like you dust off your resume, you start to connect with people, and then at least with some of those ultra safe connections, having them give you some resume feedback is a follow up to uh, reconnecting, and that that keeps the conversation going. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just but wanted it's to not add with th- everybody, right, but it's not no. with everybody because you no. you burn out your network if you do that. Well, and don't send them your resume and say if you hear if, if you hear of anything. Ugh. Because that we, it's like you're making them do all the work. I want to yeah, say one more thing yeah. about safe. A safe person is a person who uh, is very, very far removed from being able to offer you a job or who doesn't work at a company where you could be hired. Because anybody that works at a company, even if they're your closest friend, that works at a place where you might be hired, is always going to view you through a bit more of a professional lens. It's always an interview in those types of settings. And you should not, it's not safe. So well, you can get their advice, you, but it's not the same thing as really being able, like you say, or you were saying, like think out loud, or you know, like I've up up leveled my resume. And I want your feedback. well, and you can come across as looking like you have a um a, a under a, a hidden agenda, or that your real agenda is um, to get a job as opposed to really soliciting developmental feedback on your resume. So I, I just think it's a tricky it's a tricky yeah. one. Get, and get, that's, a, get a coach to review your resume. That's, that's what I was going to say, right. Sarah. Get a, get a coach. Yeah, get a coach whose agenda is actually to help you with your resume and help yeah. you with your networking and help you think through like your emergency savings, your budget, your, your other options. I think it's okay to have that agenda. You just need to make sure that you're with a person who's skilled and prepared and qualified to do that. And you're not shooting your, your career in the foot by burning a bridge or leading leading in the relationships. Hey, I'd love to connect with you. And by the way, what do you think of my resume? Like, yeah, it, that's it, creepy. Is, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. But like reconnect this. with your resume. <laughs> reconnect with your resume, reconnect with your network, and be authentic with both. Because just like your tech, your resume has feelings. And it's time to reconnect. <laughs> hey, one more thing on our list here. Well, we, we talked about it a little bit, but it's your, it's your financial, your yeah. fi- personal finances. And um, your personal finances are so intricately linked to your, your career and your career choices. And so if you're going to potentially make less money or you're going to have to go through a season where um, you're not going to make any money, you know, how prepared are you for that? And what's that look like? Uh, in startups, we talk about your burn rate, like how, how quickly do you spend cash? Do you know what that is for your personal, you know, for, for personal life, Inc.? You know, do you know how much you actually really need? Do you have a budget? You reconnect with your budget and have a financial plan. And we, we bake that into our career transition process. We, do you remember what we talk about there, Ken? I forget uh, what the time things are, but we have like a plan A and a plan B and a plan yeah. C for times of personal finances. That's right. Uh, you know, a plan A would be like, I'm going to get a new job in the next three months. And then you can extend that out to six to 12 months. And you can extend that out to what if it's over a year? And I know some people have had to go over a year in job search mode. And this is where your personal finance decisions really come back to either help you or bite you. If you're the kind of person that spends more than you make or just as much as you make, and you're not really building up savings in the good time, 
then you have a very different career search experience. You feel a sense of urgency. You've got to take whatever comes, even if it's not great. You, you know, you're, you're in a you're in a position of of deficit there. But I've coached other people who have actually been okay with a 16, 18 month search because every month when it was going well, they put a little bit aside and they've got a big enough cushion and they could be picky, they have options. And that's what that buys you. And some people have learned through these difficult decisions that they need to be more conservative with their personal finances next time around. Sarah, you were talking about reconnect or connect with your backup plan. I mean, it, yeah. is that, uh, I'm say more about that. Yeah, so I think um, it's, it's good to think about your backup plan. If you lose your job, what are you going to do? Is there a side hustle that you can work on um, and develop out? Um, are you going to, yeah? What, what's your what's your side hustle? What's the what's the gig you could pick up? Um, so I think, in addition to thinking, oh, I'm going to start another career, I'm going to pivot into another corporation or another company. Also thinking, what else can I do? How, how else could I generate income if we find ourselves stuck? And I think that's sort of a backup plan, uh, not just I'm going to network my way into this company I've always wanted to be in. Yeah, I wonder if I think it's such a tricky thing because we, of course, are people of faith and we believe in seeing everyone reach their full potential and all that kind of thing. And yet, you know, it's kind of like we have to have some realism, too. And... Um, this is probably a as all things being equal, this is not a great time to change careers and start at the lo, as the low person in a new company, especially yep. if that company is vulnerable to a recession. Last um, in, first out. Changing careers takes longer. It always takes longer. It takes more time and work, more network contacts, more com conversations. So that's. You know, and even if I'm going into recession, I want to keep the people that are really going to help me, like we were talking about before. It's like I probably don't want to get a new person who doesn't really know that much about what goes on here. You know, like it's like I want to get people who are really skilled that I can rely on because we're going to go through a storm together. And so it's just an interesting thing. I think that that's a really good point. The other thing is that, and you know, we, we it's really fun actually to show people this as we walk them through the career navigator process. But all of us have multiple skills and you know, some of those skills are all the, we would say they're, once you know what they are, they become transferable. And that's where like you could have a strategy like it's almost like when you go to college, you know, you have your 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 Hail Mary school and then you've got your ones that you really want to go to. And then you've got your backup plan school. It's kind of the same idea. Um, and actually and it actually tra channels a biblical principle. It's one of my favorite passages. It's in Ecclesiastes 11. Of course, one of Chip's favorite passages would be in Ecclesiastes. You guys are, come on, you should be all over that. Um, but it's it says that. You know, sow your seed in the morning and don't withhold your hand at night because you don't know which one is going to prosper, this one or that. And it's this idea that it's a biblical wisdom idea that you have multiple options, that you have a plan B and a plan C, that you don't just put, and we see this a lot, right? You see a person that, that they just put all their hopes, not just usually in one job at one company, because one friend said this is going to be great and it doesn't work out. So that plan B is a big part of preparation. So lots here well, under preparation. That, go ahead, Sarah. Sarah, I was going to sum it up, but you you had something, so go for I got, it. I got one more. I got one more thought here, and that is that this could be a great time to shore up your backup plan with more education, certifications, training, exploring. What can you add to either your current skill set for your current job 
or for the job you want to get or the side hustle that you have. How can you develop those muscles so that you make yourself more valuable, so that you can solve problems, so that you stand out? Nice. Yeah, don't waste the recession. Use it as a rebuilding time because the next season is going to be busy or even busier than the last sometimes. So we did. We, we told told everybody don't waste the pandemic. And now we're saying don't waste the recession. Use it to be, become more of who God's made you to be. All right. So lots of different ways to prepare there. I'll just go through the just the headlines a couple one more time. So you're going to reconnect with your resume, reconnect with your network, reconnect with your boss. We give you five questions for that. There's actually a blog post at vocacenter.org on that very topic. Uh, we talked about uh, reconnecting to your backup plan and connecting to your personal finances uh, maybe in a fresh way so that you really know what you have and what you need and, and where you're headed. So that's all pre preparation, you know, that's all preparation. But let's also talk about recalibrating because mm. some, of our, some of our reaction to the news of a impending recession is frankly the fact that we're not prepared, and if we were prepared, we'd actually it wouldn't it wouldn't disturb us nearly as much as it may. But part of it's spiritual. It's part of it is about um, who or what are we really counting on uh, to make our lives work in the first place. And you know we 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 traffic in the topic of work team, and it is so easy. It is so easy for work to be that thing that we look to to guarantee our sense of security and identity in the world. And when we do that, we cross the line. And we're, we're on our own, and we bear the emotional and spiritual burden of that, a burden we really weren't meant to carry. So I, you know, I, think, of, I think of Jesus' statement uh, in, in Matthew 6, where he says, um, you know, don't worry, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles? And by that, he meant the people that don't really know God. They strive after all those things, and your Heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And he, he says over and over and over again in that passage that God knows what we need, and he'll take care of us if, if we seek him first. How does that land on you guys? I mean, is that encouraging? Is it practic practical? Does it sound too otherworldly to be to be uh, valuable in a crazy knowledge economy heading into a potential global recession. What do you think? Yeah, well, what I think is that it um, sounds good. And then the question is, how do you actually do that? What does that actually mean to seek something first? And um, I think of it like uh, my, my conversation with my wife recently, uh, where I had a lot of things to do and I didn't want to be interrupted. And, um, uh, you know, it came up that she needed some things. And I said, you need to understand that um, with you, I'm in I'm always interruptible, like you're you're first in all the priorities. And so I want to give you permission to to be, you know, among among priorities, be the one that gets to interrupt the others. And I think about God wanting that same kind of jealous, you know, he often talks about the, the husband-wife relationship with between Christ and the church, right? That's all throughout the New Testament. He kind of wants to be the one that gets to interrupt what's going on to, if there's something there. So if it's if, if there's something in your heart that needs to be worked on with him, you know, maybe your prayer life needs to take precedent over some other things that are going on. Or maybe the Bible reading and time with him needs to expand. Or maybe you need to spend more time with a pastor or a friend 
or in a Bible study as opposed to burning more hours into, you know, trying to survive with, you know, generating lots of income. Uh, because those are the times when um, it, that's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to what's first. So those first couple of words that you quoted from from Matthew six, where uh, Jesus says, therefore, do not worry. It takes me to something else that he said in John 16, where he says, um, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so there's this, there's this saying, you know, he's saying, don't worry. And I'm telling you these things so that you'll have peace in me. And so there's a, there's a connection there that, you know, first Peter tells us we cast all of our anxieties upon him because he cares for us. And so when we have this thriving relationship with the Lord, doesn't mean things are going to be easy. Take heart. You know, he says there is trouble in this world, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So I think there's a comfort in there. Um, the idea of peace being this sense of wholeness and shalom, knowing that God's not going to pull the rug out from underneath our feet, and that when the hard times come, because there will be trouble in this world, that he's going to walk through that with us, and uh, that he's aware of what's happening with us. It doesn't protect us from pain and suffering. If you look at, look at the stories of faith, look at the stories of people in our country um, in years past, it doesn't mean that we are immune to suffering and pain. But it means that we have one who who can identify with our sufferings and our pain and and we can connect with him in that way. There's a a fellowship and sharing in the sufferings of Christ Um, and and being able to take that to connect with other people. Also, Uh, as as Ken said, there's real value there in deepening our relationships from from a surface. Hi, how are you? I'm fine level to really being able to bear our burdens and to experience the peace of God in that. That's good. So like. Trusting God and following Him, recognizing it includes suffering and difficulty, being interruptible by God, spending time with like, not mar- like not shrinking your time with Him, but expanding it almost. I think your things you guys are saying, I you know I've wrestled with this idea like too, like what's it mean to seek the kingdom, and um, most of us had a point. I mean, I guess we, we technically do. Vogue is a Christian organization. We all, we all, we conflate the two. We think seeking the kingdom is working for a Christian organization or doing something Christian. And um, and as I've stepped back from that a little bit, I've thought, well, it's the kingdom of God. So that's where God's will or God's agenda is followed. And so some of that's about ethics and values, and some of it's about the priority you know, of people and people's souls and that kind of thing. But I think some of it, too, is that seeking the kingdom for each of us individually is doing what God wants us to do with our lives. And um, and many of us have probably done some arm wrestling and kind of have at least some sense of what that looks like. And so it's, it's following his plan. Like, what's, what's he have for me to do? Um, what's he have for me to do during an economic downturn when I may not make as much money or I may not have as much opportunity? I may have to, you know, save less, give less, or not save at all, give less. Uh, but I may have more time with people, which is something you guys have already mentioned. Like, like, what's it look like? And it's, it's just figuring out what he has for me now, which maybe sounds like a very big question, but I think, you know, the way we do that is we surrender to him on a regular basis in prayer and attitude, and then we just look around and see what there is mm-hmm. for us to do. It, it's not, it's actually not, I don't think you could call it, you would even call it rocket science because they didn't have rockets in the Bible. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's, it's, just look around. What is there for you to do? And do it and then trust him to take care of you kind of on the other end. So, I don't know, I, I think that's a huge, there's a huge promise in Matthew chapter six. Um, 
that could really relieve a lot of anxiety. And that's why Jesus says several times, don't worry. Um, but there's a way to recalibrate around that. And there's another idea I wanted to just hit on before we close. And that's the idea of aiming for impact instead of financial security. And um, two, two threads that just get us into this topic a little bit. Um, so Max Anderson is a, is a guy that I met in New York, and he publishes something called The Weekend Reader, which is, is a helpful aggregation of, some, of four or five really great articles on a topic. And he was recently said that Americans are actually better off than we've ever been. In, in aggregate, I know there's still, you know, there's always some of us are not doing so well, and that's, uh, we're not trying to take away from that. But a lot of people have had a really good run over the last po- two years since post-COVID and have gotten very accustomed to being very, very comfortable. And so that's kind of fading a little But he says, even though that's all true, um, we're more miserable than ever. And, um, and it's kind of like we've just lost, we've gotten, we just don't want to lose all the, the good we've had, or we can't just take it for what it is. And, 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 and I think that the answer to that is to sort of shift in our perspective and, and to start focusing on, well, even if we are doing really well, how can we, how can we have an impact on others in this verse about Whenever we have an opportunity to good, do good to everybody, especially those who are of the household of faith, that's from Galatians 6.10, it, it, just, it just changes your mindset instead of like trying to protect what I have or I've had, even if it's just been for the last few years. It's like, it gets back to the same idea, like look around and, and focus on the impact that you can have on people, um, which is not directly related to how secure you are economically, at least not necessarily. When you guys think of that idea of, of shifting from security to impact. Yeah, I feel like there's two parts of that. The first part of it is that scarcity mindset that says, you know, it was great for the last two years, but I'm sure it's not gonna last and I'm worried about losing what I have. And and that kind of self-focus is uh, a good recipe for not having much impact because you start to clamp down on your resources and you hide and protect and batten down the hatches. But this other idea of, of asking what who can benefit from what I have to offer right now, monetarily, with my energy, with my skills, with my work? That's a real generosity mindset. That's that's basically saying, look, um, I'm not here to build my kingdom. I'm here, here to build God's kingdom, right? It's God's kingdom that I'm trying to contribute to. And so what would be a creative way to do that given where I am now, given who's around me now? And I think that what what's ironic is that what happens when you do that is you end up benefiting a lot in the meantime because you're adding a lot of value and people are wanting to reward that or find you a place where you can do more or better. Um, and so I think God uses that mindset in ways that we just can't foresee. Yeah, that, that uh, Ken, something you said reminded me of what um, our church's family pastor just shared, reminded us all that children spell love, T-I-M-E. Um, and so I think there's something, I think a lot of people spell love that way. And if, um, if we're looking to really have impact, then maybe there's an opportunity for us to make space for people. Uh, maybe when we're tightening our financial belts and rethinking our budget and rethinking our spending, we can also look at the way we spend and invest our time and look at who might benefit from a little bit more time. And 
Research has shown that serving others, volunteering and making other people's lives better makes our own lives better. There's a, you know, serotonin release and we, we get a little, we get a little hit off of that. And I just think it's fascinating that God has made us so that there are times when serving others actually makes us feel better and can help pull us out of a, out of a funk. Um, and so when I think about, you know, living for impact versus living for security, there's an opportunity to have an influence on other people in a positive way. Yeah, it's like what we're, we're suggesting, as tie a bow on this a little bit here, is that, <clears throat> okay, there's lots of noise about a recession coming. You shouldn't ignore it. You know, you should take some prudent steps to prepare. And then on the flip side, you shouldn't become like, you know, a survivalist that's like spending all your time and fortune on your bunker in the middle of the desert. You know, like it's not a, it's like take some prudent steps to prepare and then be ready to, to help the people around you. And um, I think that that's, that's, that's the balance. It's, I don't know if balance is even the right word, but it's really, um, that's the idea. You know, that it's, it's a both and, but it's, you don't go to either extreme. One extreme is ignoring this. And you know, we, we try and help folks who do ignore these types of things. They are not, they're completely unprepared. We try and help them, but it's almost always harder and more complicated than it needs to be. And on the flip side, um, you know, don't become a self, a self-centered, self I can't even say a preservationist, self-centered, self-preservationist, and it's just all about you. It's not about you, and it's, you know, God's not surprised. God has a plan for you and the people around you, and and His plan for the people around you almost always includes you. Well, good. Let's wrap it up here, guys. So. Uh, this has been another episode of the Resilient Faith at Work podcast. We're talking about how to recession-proof your job. And uh, we'd love to walk with any of you individually through the coaching we deliver. We also offer outplacement, which is career. Uh, it's a career navigation process that's paid for by companies. And uh, we've done that at numerous points along the way. And if you work for a company that might be interested in that, um, just email one of us and then we have a specific website that we would direct them to. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on Resilient Faith at Work. Hey, thanks for listening. As we close this episode, I'm going to use the H word, help. First, help us help you. Do you want to grow in your effectiveness as a worker and leader? Are you wondering if you are in the right job or career? Maybe you lead a team and wonder how to make that team better. Go to vocacenter.org slash consult for an easy scheduling link and book your appointment with one of our great coaches today. We're ready to help you. Second, help us help others. This podcast is brought to you by generous donors who change lives by changing work through their investment at Voca. If you like this content and want to partner with us to reach more workers, donate to Voca. Go to vocacenter.org slash give and begin your partnership today. We'll see you next time on the VOCA podcast, where we help you build resilient faith at work.